0: Like I, I actually, I actually started this audio. Auto, okay, sweet. I just started tearing up, and uh, I teared up a little bit yesterday. I was trying, like, okay, guys, I'm trying not to cry, but um, but just so Lord, the Lord is delighted in this body of believers and the heart that's going on here, and uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I almost wanted to invite Benny up to just do my teaching. <laughs> I was close to doing that. I mean, he was already the man, so uh, it was awesome. Um, yeah, for I, I think everybody knows that we had the, the men's retreat yesterday, and um, just such a sweet time with with the men of this church. Yeah, guys, just all of you, it was a wonderful time. Stand, stand on the track. We're on the track, embracing the race, running down the road, and uh, and yeah, so I just want to honor the leadership of the church. Sean, I think Sean... Where's Sean at? Sean's over Sean got this going, right? You got the men's thing going. So was Sean's idea, man. That was awesome. And uh, just Josh and everybody allowing it to happen. It's been a sweet, sweet time. And I'm sure Brian would say the same. Brian isn't here that spoke with me yesterday, but it was just an amazing time. So um, one thing I, I'm going I'm to be diving into cultivating Thanksgiving. And this is a very important, passionate subject of mine. My family knows it. They probably are sick of hearing about it. Um, but they're going to hear it again um, But while I was praying um, I, I just really felt like there was another thing as well That the Lord just wanted me to, to share with you guys I grew up in New Mexico So I'm, I'm from New Mexico The land of enchantments <laughs> the place, little town called Aztec, only 6,500 So you guys are a little bit smaller than Aztec But this feels like home to me And uh, just hanging with all the guys in my small group, you know, it was a finale time, Tyler and Rob and like all the guys, you know, it was just a sweet time, Um, felt like home to me. And uh, being from the desert, I would drive from little Aztec in the four corners to Albuquerque all the time because I, my both sets of grandparents were in Albuquerque. So I used to say I knew the exact number of sagebrush from Aztec to Albuquerque and uh, the volcanic rock, and it was beautiful. But it was like my second home. And as we would be driving down that road, the, the sun, we, we'd have these long stretches. I mean, it was like nothingness. The only town you hit was Cuba and San Isidro for three hours. And, uh, and so you'd have these long, long stretches, and you'd be on these long roads. And I remember as a boy, I would look out often and, and obviously knew that it wasn't real, especially over time but I would look out and I would see the road and on the road, it would look like there was a lake ahead. It looked like water, right? And so we call that a mirage. So it looked like water, but I was surely in the desert of New Mexico. There was a lot of sagebrush and no water. There was a lot of water last night here. That was a lot of water coming down. And, uh, and so I would see, see the mirage or see the, the, the water that looked like that. And, and as I was praying for your church. I just felt strongly that the Lord, like that picture came to my mind of traveling as a kid. I, I don't think I've ever thought about that again. But it popped in my mind, and and I just felt like the Lord was saying, You guys are the true oasis in the midst of a dark and perverse generation in this area. And I spoke this to the men yesterday. I really felt like that that. The men that were here and the men of this church, that you guys, the Lord is, is doing and will continue to do a work in you where you guys will be a bright and shining light. Not only in your families, but in this area. And, um, and so I just want to say to your church that the Lord is delighted, yes, but that you guys are an oasis. There are many people that are wandering in the deserts. And they're seeing a fake fabricated oasis in the distance. And they're wandering towards it. And they're trying to get to water, thinking it's life-giving. But it's of this age and it's fake. It's not going to fulfill or satisfy them. And I want you guys just to know that the Lord is calling you to be those. I talked with the guys yesterday about being the water boys, right? We talked to the water men, you know. But the water boys were... Where we talked about a race and how there's like those that hand the water off. There's actually a process. And if you miss the water line, you literally can be detrimental. You cannot finish the race sometimes in a marathon. So I just want to say the entire congregation, you all are part of the oasis. And you need to be calling out to those wandering in the deserts. And saying, come over here. There's true living water. There's true life-giving water over here. And I'll tell you this, I've done this with many people that I've known over the years where I've called out to them and said, there's life-giving water, Jesus, and you want, he wants you to drink from his well. And they'll be like, ah, look over there. And they're look at that oasis I'm driving towards, right? And they're looking at the fabricated fake oasis. And, and I just want to say that you're going to need to be aggressive. Okay, that sounds really like, I'm not saying violent, but you're going to need to be, you're going to need to be courageous. And so that's my prayer for you this morning, that you would be bold and courageous in your declaration of the life-giving water. And here's the thing is you can't do that unless you're drinking from the water and you're tasting of it. And so this was just, the Lord was hammering me with this as I'm preparing for this Sunday message. And this isn't even what I'm supposed to be talking about. But I'm telling you, you need to take that cup, dip it in the water, and scream with your with your guts. I have the life-giving water! You need to like be yelling it at those in this area. Because the day is coming. And there's many that will perish. It says, few will walk the narrow road. And on that day kind of alluded to this with the guys yesterday. On that day, I want there to be like, like, okay, yeah, Texas, think, okay, there's some believers resurrected unto life in Texas. Yeah, we're seeing here and there, you know, the little conglomerates. But like, everybody's like being raised to life for the age to come, at the end of the age. And they're like, whoa, look over there in Tonkawa. There's a lot being raised up to life. Like that they're feeling and seeing That you guys cried out to those who were lost. And sometimes we're like, well, I tried and they didn't. But I'm telling you, sometimes you just need to keep being consistent. Dipping that water and just keep being full of life and giving the life. The Lord desires that. John 4 is where I'm pulling from. Jesus answered her, if you had known the gift of God and who it was who said to you, give me some water to drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said to him, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Jesus replied, everyone who drinks some of the water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks some of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. But the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. So, man, I, the Lord I just want to say it again. The Lord delights in this congregation. Like he delights in you. You need to hear that. I really believe that the Lord wants you to hear that this morning. Don't give up going to the water. Don't give up crying out to those who need it. Don't. Like he, like some of you want to give up. Some of you might be stumbling like we talked about yesterday with the guys. You're on the, you're on the track. You're stumbling. Get up. Don't give up. Okay, I just wanted to share that. Um, Last night was such a sweet time at Max and Kim's and we're talking and um, and so they prayed for my wife. And so my wife uh, lost, began to lose her vision years and years ago prior to Arden, our oldest, uh, being born. And so we continue to pray for healing. I love that we were just laying hands, just praying for the Lord to work in her body. Yeah, there's oh, my family. Yes, there's my family. There they are right there. And they're on the front row, some of them. Um, I love them. I love them a lot. And and so my wife, um, what happened was it came from a fungus that comes from the soil in South America a lot of times. And, uh, and birds poop on the soil. Then there's people there and they somehow ingest or inhale the soil. Obviously, they're not eating the soil, but they are somehow get it. So my wife's done multiple construction projects down in South America on mission trips. So we believe that's probably where it came from. But she inhaled it or had some, somehow got it in. And it usually goes to the lungs. It comes and goes from most people. That's most, you know, they kind of might feel the effects. They might not. But in rare cases, it jumps in the bloodstream and goes to the eyes. And when it gets to the eyes, it creates blood vessels that break through the retina. Similar to like concrete and weeds breaking through concrete. And it begins to scar the retina of the eye. And so that began to happen in one of her eyes. She didn't really notice. She always wore glasses. She's like, ah. And so her other eye's compensating. And after four years of it happening in one eye, it jumped, because it, it can start at any point again. But it jumped in one eye and went to the other eye. It did in four months what it took, four years. So kind of overnight, she felt like she was blind. So what that did is that made it where her direct vision, she can't really see. She has her peripheral vision, so it's hard to exemplify that. I've, like I've tried, I've like put my finger in front of my eye, you know, try to block out the middle part of my eye. But she only has her peripheral, and so when it first happened, she would look up here to see me here. And so, thankfully, the Lord, you know, brought along some great doctors that have. I mean, she's she still has blindness. Uh, we're praying for God to bring healing, but but her peripheral vision, they were able to stop that that process of breaking through her retina. I share that because again, another thing that was pressing on me while preparing was this term called peripheral prayer. And and I like I just want to say it to you. We cannot allow peripheral prayer. We need our direct vision in the place of prayer. And and so the challenge facing the local church is not having a prayer-infused church. So I grew up, and I knew the Word really well. Grew up in a sweet Baptist church. And uh, me and Robert were talking about it. Grew up in a sweet Baptist church. Knew the Word. Did a Juana's. Man, I was like loaded in scriptures. I was heavy with the Word. But I was not heavy in prayer. And uh, neither was my church. Now, my church back home that my parents go to, if you know my mom, she's like this fiery prayer Little warrior, she's this Baptist hostile in the pews, and she's like, "Oh God!" You know, she's she's loving the Lord, and uh, so now it is pretty prayer infused. My mom is one of those prayer infused believers, um, but, but I want to talk about really quickly about moving prayer and the pursuit of God from, from peripheral to central. And I love it. You guys do have some prayer meetings, and you have prayer going on in the church, and so that's good. We need that. But I want to say that everybody in this church, just like the living water, we all need to be dipping our cup in. We all need to be praying and bring it to the forefront. It can't be about a prayer meeting or a prayer small group or just prayer here and there. It's got to be central to our lives where it moves from a task to a lifestyle at a corporate level. Not just individual level, but at a corporate level as far as the body of believers here. Where it moves in a way that brings vibrancy. And and like Sony was reading about radiant, being a radiant people. We want to be radiant and vibrant uh, as a local church. And, and I, I think the Lord is doing... I think the Lord is having me share this because he's doing something here. That's all I keep feeling from this place. And I think that's the Lord. He's doing something. And so it's not a, guys, get your act together. That's not what this is. It's, come on up. Let's keep going. Yeah. Let's keep running. Let's pick up the pace a little bit. I guess guys talked about that a lot yesterday, picking up that pace. There'll there'll never be a praying church body without praying leaders. So when I say that, we think of, oh, Josh, you know, or whoever, the elders. Okay, yes, they are the praying people, you know. But I'm talking about all of us. We're all called to be a prayer. I'm saying when I say that, praying leaders, it's not going to be a praying people without praying leaders. And we need praying leaders to raise up, leaders that are praying we talked about this as far as intentional brotherhood yesterday in this way, having courage in this hour to be prayer people. We need courage to do that. All right, so let' let's finally dive into what I'm trying to talk about today and that is cultivating Thanksgiving. Um, this has been a subject. I grew up in an incredibly complaining household. Now my mom, like I said, she's like Miss Bubbly, but, uh, but there is a lot of complaint that happened in my home. And, uh, and, and it kind of got passed down. And so as I began to journey with the Lord, this is the first area of attack that the Holy Spirit had on my life. He's like, oh, Reggie, you know that Thanksgiving is worship towards me. So if you're complaining, who are you worshiping? And I was like, oh, oh you know, so I'm like, and I still struggle. We, we all have struggles with this, right? So... So there's, a, there's something that the Lord began to develop in me related to the tabernacle in the Old Testament. So I don't know. Do we have that image, the tabernacle image? We can throw it up there. And I'm just going to kind of point to it. But the tabernacle. What, the, let's, can we throw the other image? Do we have two images? The tabernacle was at the center of the people of God, Israel. Right? So they put this place of meeting, this rendezvous place where they rendezvoused with the living God, the living God who created the earth, the heavens, them, like they got a chance to meet with the living God and they put this place of meeting, this rendezvous place right at the center of all of the tribes, all of the people at the center, right? And, And that's where the priests would go in. And We've all heard and probably talked around this and go and meet with the living God. Okay, we can throw the other image back up there. And so I began to study this back in the day, and I was just studying it. And the Lord began to just hammer me about this subject of thanksgiving in context of this. Now, I'll just give a quick overview. You have the outer courts, holy place, holy of holies. This does a good job of breaking it down. But I'm going to briefly just focus on just the outer courts. Really quick, and then I'm going to dive back to the thanksgiving portion. But in the outer courts, you have the labor. It's right here in the third position here. And that's where they would wash their hands from the blood that was spilt based off the sacrifice at the altar of burnt offerings. So they would sacrifice that animal, the goat, the dove, whatever it would be, on, on that altar. And then the priest would come and cleanse himself. And so as I began to study this, the Lord began to reveal to me, Okay, well, who's our lamb? Who's the Lamb of God? Jesus is. Okay, so just in context, the example there, and then the labor for me began to become like confession, a place of almost like the Lord had laid out. This was the Israelites' prayer prayer time, right? Was the tabernacle was where they came and they made, met with the living God. So I began to kind of like the Lord began to reveal scriptures and connect it to my prayer life, and I was like, "Whoa, Lord, what are you doing?" And so one of the things that would happen is the priest had to enter by the gates. He had to enter by the front of the tabernacle. And as soon as he came to the front of the gate, what would he see? The very thing that allowed him to meet with God. The sacrifice. So his his eyes would hit. The first thing he would hit would be this, this thing that allowed, this innocent thing that had to die so that he could live. In the presence of God. That's what he would see. So immediately the Lord revealed, like, just was like screaming at the priest, like, this is the thing that allows you to be with me. And it has to die. And so then after, like I said, after he would kill the lamb or the goat or whatever, he would go to labor. Now I just want to stop really briefly and and just say this. Because I wanted to spend time on this. I think I was talking to Sean. Sean was telling you about the fence. This is the fence portion. Where a lot of times in the place of prayer, we, we just come into prayer and we feel guilty. Like, I haven't done this. I haven't, and what, what I believe that was, and the Lord one day in prayer, as I was studying the scriptures around the tabernacle, he, was, he said, Rich, you've been jumping the fence. And I was like, oh, and I knew where he was going with this. And so what I believe a lot of believers do in the place of prayer is they don't enter through thanksgiving, See and lay their eyes on the sacrifice that purifies them and allows them to be with him. Right? That, that for me, that's the climax of Thanksgiving. Whoa! The, the lamb! It's like many of those times I've actually come into Thanksgiving and I've, I've taken 45 minutes of giving thanks. You might be like, 45 minutes? How do you do 45 minutes? It just takes time to cultivate Thanksgiving. It takes time. You've got to give time to it. and Sit and be, even ask, Lord... What else can I be thankful for? And then just shut up and listen, and he'll start to drop things in you. Pretty soon you'll be weeping, be like, oh. And then you're like, oh, but the cross, oh, Lord. And you just like, then you like, I'm a puddle on the floor. I've been many times a puddle on the floor when I get to the altar for offerings. Like it's hard to get past there sometimes. Now the desire is to live in the inner courts where you're you're, you're living a lifestyle of thanksgiving, a lifestyle of seeing the cross and seeing the Messiah, a lifestyle of confession. When you sin, you're like, oh, you feel it because you're with the Lord and you're like, Lord, forgive me, and you confess right then. You can't move on. One time I had a friend, we were in a store, and this guy was like, the Lord was meeting with him. And I remember they they gave him, this is what happened. They, he did the checkout and the cashier gave him change and he knew that it was more change than he deserved to get. They overpaid him. And, and he was changed. But he had been meeting with the Lord often. And I was up with him and I was like walking out, you know, being myself. And he's like, he's like oh, rich. And he began to cry. And I was like, bro, what's going on? You know, like that wasn't normal for him. And he's like, they gave me more money than they should have. And I kept it. I, I'm going back in there. And he immediately confessed and repented and went back in and dealt with it. Like, that's how we should live. Rather than, I sin, i wait till I get to my Jesus time to confess that. Right, we should live in it. And so, what happens to a lot of people is they, if I had a little pointer, I would do it, but they go, they go around the side, they throw their hook on the wall, and they climb over, grappling hook, they drop over, and then they run to the labor. And they go, oh, God, I'm so horrible. I do everything wrong. Ah. <laughs> right? And then and then what does that make you want to do, right? You're full of shame. And then they go, most of the time, I've talked to a lot of people, including myself, they'll go, ah! They run out of the prayer room. They run out of the place of prayer. Never going back there. Because I just don't want to feel that ever again. And that's not anything like the Lord desires for you in the place of prayer. His desire is that you'd be giving thanks and seeing his goodness, seeing his love for you. And then you get to that altar for offerings and you're like, oh, you really love me, Lord. And then you step to the labor and 2 Corinthians 7, I, I have it here. It says, Second Corinthians seven ten, For sadness as intended by God produces a repentance that leads to salvation, leaving no regret, but worldly sadness brings about death. So this right here is the exemplification of the labor, where we get to the labor correctly. We get to confession correctly, knowing the love of God for us. And so when we repent, we're like, Lord, I'm so sorry. And, and we hear him say, I forgive you. And then you step into that inner courts, where you encounter the Holy Spirit at a new level. You're reading the word, and you're digging in, and God's speaking to you through the word of God. It's powerful. He's sharing with you. And so don't jump the fence. Don't jump the fence. Take the time to do Psalms 100 verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Into his courts with praise. Like the altar of incense over here. Before you enter the Holy of Holies. Scripture around praise being an incense. And I'm praising the Lord before I step into that place of intercession. That place of crying out and interceding. So learn to live thankful. Linger in it. Just was alluding to that. Don't rush. Do it till it rests on you. It's the only way I know how to describe it. Like a lot of people see me or they meet me. And and my family knows me really well. So they know the real real me all the time. And so daddy's not always thankful, right guys? Daddy, Daddy has to go back to the Lord and repent. But for the most part, what I am is who I am. What you see is what you get. And, um, and so some people will meet me for the first time and they're like, ah, that guy's fake. I don't know. A little too <laughs> you know. But I am who I am. I truly am seeking to walk out. I'm letting it rest on me. That's my desire, that I would live that way. Ephesians 5, 18 through 21. Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless behavior, but be filled by the Spirit. Yes. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and songs of the Spirit. We talked about this during Sunday school with with the crew that was over there, singing and how it brings the sticky factor. That's what I do with the kids. Sticks to your heart. Songs, making music in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, to God, the Father, submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of the Messiah. So giving thanks, we did yesterday, right guys? We did like giving thanks sometimes. No, that's, that's not what it says. Giving thanks always for some things. No, doesn't say that either. Giving thanks always for everything. So what does that mean? Does that mean, you know, I, some terrible thing happens and I give thanks for it? No, that's not what that means. But what it does mean is that in everything that's happening around us, you've got to look for the goodness of God in it. And you can find it if you have eyes to see You can. It's really powerful. So we need to be asking the Lord to reveal his heart and prompts to us by his Holy Spirit. We need to ask him. It's really simply as that. So if there's anything you walk away today with is where you're walking away in the place of asking, Lord, reveal, reveal yourself to me where you're at work around me. What are you doing? Because some of us are so distracted, so distracted. We live in the most distracted generation in the face of the earth, I believe. Most distracted culture, the face of the earth. Unless you're in Africa and you live in a dirt hut, right? Even then, they have phones. I've seen it. Because so I've lived at a missionary college for the last eight years. And you see these pictures and there's a little African boy. He's got a loincloth and he's got a, he's got a phone. So even now, even those people are infiltrated with the distractions. So we got to just choose to be like, nope, I'm setting this down. My good friend Cameron Horner, I love him. He's been talking a lot about how this younger generation, you have to talk, they're, you have to teach focusing about focusing. Because they don't know how to focus. Like even focus on focusing. <laughs> they're really struggling because they're so distracted. And so we've, we've got to live this out first, adults. Us adults, we got to live this out and then call them to it. It's hard at first. Complaint gets embedded into the psyche of our society. Right now, we all can think, I think even even this morning, some of you probably checked your phones. I don't know what you look at, you know, Twitter, the news. I don't know. But it's in the psyche of society to complain. That's what we do. We're just really good at it. Awesome at it. You know, you know what's going to be like one of the most beloved things in the lake of fire? Complaint. That's... That's what you're going to hear, that and screaming. So let's, like, get that out of here. So I want to talk about the revolving door of Thanksgiving really briefly um, because it's a really powerful momentum shifter. And I think if you just give it a chance, I'm sharing this to give you just a nudge. Just try it. Okay? But whenever I'm, I found that whenever I start giving thanks and like really digging in. So when I first started, I would take like an hour to dig into Thanksgiving. And it was hard, I'd be like, Ugh, it'd be literally like fifteen, twenty minutes of silence. I'd be like, and I was just fighting to stay there, like, okay, <laughs> can I get out of here now? Right? And I was like, nope. I would just ask again, Lord, what can I be thankful for? Yeah. Share with me. More than the blue the sky's blue and the grass is green. Yes. What else can I be thankful for? And, and I would cry out, and so as the Lord began to really churn up, and like that rototiller was on the soil, that hard soil of my heart, and he began to churn that thing up, and I started to become fertile soil, I would give thanks. And so I would go into my day, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, and I would just say, oh, thank you, Lord! I would, something would hit me. And I believe, it's the revolving door of Thanksgiving, what would happen is I would give thanks, and that that incense would go up before the Lord's nostrils. Yeah, yeah. And the Lord began to give me this picture that he'd be like, <gasps> Rich! That's my boy! And he'd be like, Bam! And he'd hit me with another blessing yeah. or something. Yeah. And I'd be like, Oh, whoa, look at that! And I would just, this revolving door of seeing God at work all around me. Because the Lord is looking. He's watching. We forget. He, he is watching. He's looking for those who would seek his face those who would look for him he's looking for them so i'm telling you it's man just just try it just try it every problem becomes an opportunity to those living in thanksgiving you become a witness you testify of the living god so if you can get this and really live this out you become an evangelist and i there's that phrase like okay you know, spread the gospel, and if necessary, use words. That, that's a good phrase. I, you know, but I think we should use words. Like, people need to hear the gospel. But I'm telling you, if you're giving thanks, this is one of those things where you can, like, just walk in a place of thanksgiving. And then people begin to go, hmm, something's up with that guy. And they begin to scoot a little bit closer. And pretty soon, you can speak to them, and they have ears to hear. Or maybe they were closed before, their heart, that you see heart is something. It's a powerful thing. man. Even in the midst of, of really bad situations, opportunities that who what, what guys was I shared the furnace story yesterday. Sean was there. Remember the furnace story that was it tried to almost blow up on me. That's an amazing story for this, where I should have died. Furnace almost exploded. It should have exploded. It didn't explode. But I got engulfed by flames. Skin was like melting off my face. At least that's what it felt like. And I I was just so full of joy in God from Thanksgiving. <laughs> And so I was. I in pain. Yes, I was in pain. It was brutal. And there was this other deaf guy that was like screaming, and I was trying to save his life. And it's a long story, but the bottom line is, I was just praising God. I was so full of life. I'd been drinking from the water. And so I get to the hospital, and I'm, and I am, you know, hurting, but I'm just singing songs to the Lord. And the lady comes in, everybody's attending to out, out outside to the, the deaf guy that got burned. And he had to get skin graft. He had third degree burns. But eventually. But I'm in the room, and the, the nurse comes in, she puts the cream on my face. She's like, first time she walks in, she's like, I was like, oh, that's not good. She kind of jumped a little bit. And then she's like, okay, well, we're gonna put this cream on you. And hurt, you know, for her to put the cream on. And then she's like, we're gonna put this like cold towel on top of, of your face. You know, I'm like, okay. So she does that. And she leaves, and I just start singing, you know, to the Lord, and then all of a sudden I get this thought. And the thought the Lord says, I want to heal you. Which that's not a normal thought for me at this season of life. And I was like, Lord, I know you want to heal me. Age to come, you know, at some point you want to heal me, whatever you know. He's like, No, I want to heal you right now. Yeah. Okay. And so I was like, Okay. So I I had this knowing that I just need to ask. So I was like, Lord, heal me. <laughs> I literally just made it really simple. And pain was gone. It left me. Wow. All gone. And, and the best part was the, the lady comes in. She's like, oh, I just want to check on you guys. Still kind of screaming out in the hallway. And she, and she takes the rag off and she goes, wow, that cream really worked. That's what she said. I was like, no, it was Jesus. You know? yeah. And so opportunities it can be turned. There's opportunities whenever you have certain situations. Just give thanks. It doesn't mean the Lord's going to heal you of everything every time. Per se, he will. Like, Lord desires to heal. He heals all the time, but but sometimes it doesn't happen in our timing, right? And so, just keep giving thanks. One of the phrases when I used to teach this to the, the, the tweeners was: "Those who complain, blame, are noses, and are and are lame." So the kids the kids added the lame part on. Um, so those who complain, blame, and are lame. So if you're complaining, you're usually blaming. Take responsibility. Philippians 2, do all things without complaining or quarreling so that you may become blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine like stars in the sky, holding fast to the very word of life. Then I will have something about which to sing in the day of Messiah. Yes, Lord, make us like that, that it wasn't for nothing that I ran the race. For nothing that I work so hard. Holding fast to the very word of life. Not complaining. Lord, we just ask that you would do this in us. That you would stir up hunger and thirst for the living God. That the oasis we would truly drink from. Psalm 63, 1 through 3. Oh God, you are my God, I long for you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water I'm telling you there are, there are people right now in your community there are I'm speaking old and young but there are young people that are quietly whispering this in their homes right now their parents still go to church like they know that life is a sham and they're and in their heart of hearts they're saying this right now they don't really know god but they know there's something My soul thirsts. I need something. It's dry, it's parched, and you're the ones to give them that water. They need it. We need it for each other. So a few action steps. One, start with giving thanks regularly. And my favorite word for the weekend, intentionally. Thanksgiving isn't going to happen accidentally. It just does not. You have to be intentional. Next one, in every situation... Look to see where God is at work around you. Because he is. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Messiah Jesus for you. For each one of you. This is his will for you. Like His, his will is that you would give thanks in all circumstances. Like we were just talking about. Like that's for you. I just want to pray for us. Lord, I just ask, I ask that you would call us to yourself, Lord, that we would learn how to walk with you. Lord, that maybe we don't have a prayer time. We, don't have, we haven't had regular connection with you. We, we haven't been praying. Similar to the testimony where the, the, the man was had not been reading his Bible. Lord, maybe that's us. We haven't been praying. We've been reading our Bible but not praying. Maybe we're like that man, the opposite. We're afraid because we've jumped the fence one too many times. And we've felt shamed or we've felt beat down in the place of prayer. Lord, I pray today, Lord, that this be the beginning for many as they enter into time with you through the proper door, with the proper key. They're not banging down. Drywall to get into the room. But, Lord, they're going through the door. They're taking the key of thanksgiving, sticking it in the hole, turning it and opening up to meet with you. Lord, that they would feel your love. I pray again for the men in this room, that they would feel your love for them in their mess, for each one of us, in our mess, in our brokenness, even in our sin, that, Lord, they would feel your love for them and be called into rightness with you. Lord, that that labor is the first thing we hit. So Lord, I pray that as we enter in, Lord, we would come in, see your love for us, feel your love for us, know your love for us. As we read your word, we would see your desire for us to be with you. Lord, as we, as we meet together with others, Lord, that we would know and feel your love, that there would be a culture of thanksgiving. An attitude of gratitude in the hearts of this church. Lord, do it. Lord, let this church be the oasis that many need outside these walls. Let the people be a place of refreshment. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let
1: am going to invite our elders up to the front. Uh, If you're uh, here today and uh, not feeling the Thanksgiving, I have nothing to be uh, thankful for. But if you're a disciple of Jesus, if you're trusting in Jesus, yes, you do. Okay, God sent His Son into the world to give His life, lay down His life as a ransom um, on a cross. Before the day of the Lord when He returns And if we put our trust in His cross We put our trust in His life Death, resurrection, ascension And return at the day of the Lord We're resurrected from the dead So believers, you all have something to be thankful for If you're not a believer today You're not putting your trust in Jesus In His cross now And, and day. then Today would be the day um, to do that And so if you have questions About what's that mean Man, is he God? Why the death? What's all this stuff? He floats on a cloud? Whatever. All the questions. If you have questions, talk to a member of our church. They can tell you about that. You can talk to an elder uh, or any of our elders because we want to work through the gospel with you because we don't want you to perish. We want you to live um, forever. Okay? So believe the gospel today or at least let us help you start believing. Uh, so let's pray now. Uh, you can pray about anything. I I would come and get prayer from an elder for a thankful heart this morning. So go ahead and come forward or pray about anything else, Um, but we'll pray.